Hey, spirit people. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Yes. We are the uh, Lewis and Clark of Spiritual Expedition. The Thelma and Louise. The Han and Chewbacca. The Lucy and Ethel. Uh, the... I don't know. <laughs> the Green-Eyed Bandits. The AJ and the McQueen. Oh my gosh. We never finished AJ and the McQueen. And there's a reason for that. Right, AJ and the Queen. I said AJ and the oh, McQueen. Oh, no, that's what I said. AJ <laughs> oh, and the McQueen. Sure. Yeah, that's not what it was called. <laughs> no. Uh, but no, we did not finish it. No, we didn't. And Let we, us know if we missed anything. And we never will. Hi, everybody out there. I'm Angel Lopez. I'm a writer. I'm a producer. I'm an astrologer. I'm a queeler, healer, dealer, and a teacher of things in esoterica. And your husband. And who are you? Hey, everybody. I'm Brandon Alter. I'm a queer spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and astrologer. I'm a teacher of both those modalities. I am a writer and a performer and the co-host of this podcast that you are currently listening to. And thank you for listening to it. Yeah. We really appreciate you. We're getting real close to our four-year anniversary. Yeah, which is also going to mark our 100th episode. Around, right? It won't be exactly, or will it actually? It, they happen in the same month. What? Yeah. So Gemini season is just going to be a spiritual gaze extravaganza. Yeah. I don't entirely know what we're going to do for it. I don't know. I feel like we need to do maybe like another live episode mm -hmm. or something along those lines for our anniversary slash 100th episode. Yeah. So we did a live episode in a Zoom room last year. Yeah. But I'm thinking maybe we should try to like rent out like a theater space and do a live episode like in person. But will there be people there? <laughs> well, you know, like all seven listeners will show up. Well, no, I mean, look, we have more than seven listeners, but I don't know how many we have in our exact area. Right. A geographical issue. Yeah. Which is why I kind of like the Zoom party, because it lets everyone from our community take part. That is true. All right. So maybe we'll do that. But... But I do love the idea of us at one point getting to do like an actual live with a studio audience. So let us know. Are you interested in a Zoom <laughs> live show because you live somewhere that isn't Southern California? But also, are you local and you would love to do a live in-person show? Maybe we can do both. So let us know because this is going to be happening, uh, you know, like early June probably. Yeah, that feels like a lot to put together. No, I got it. All right, girl. Um, but yeah, I am excited that we have like just to like that we're gonna hit a hundred episodes. Like that feels like such a landmark. Did you ever think we would do a hundred episodes? Honestly, I did not. I can't even remember why we started this. <laughs> I can't even remember how it all came to be. Well, it came to be because I wanted to do, I actually really wanted to do like a gay like view podcast. Oh, right. Remember, like I felt like something and I was like, oh, it'll be like the gays, you know, and where you just do that. But now there's like multiple versions of that podcast that exists. But uh, back in 2018, there weren't very many or there weren't really any. 
But then we were, uh, but I think there were a few and I think that was the idea was like, oh, but we need something like that's kind of a hook. And then it was just like, well, what if we did it together? And we just kind of did it through the lens of spirituality. Oh, right. Because I like wasn't even involved at first, right? No, I was kind of thinking of something that was more like media, pop culture-y, like, yeah. you know, things of that nature. And then I just weaseled my way in. <laughs> like you did to my heart. <laughs> just burrowed in. Oh, so cozy there. Yes. Thank you. But yeah, now um, here we are. Four years later. Do you remember how we did like um, test versions where we did like three, I think it was like two or three episodes. Episodes that, that we never just saw. never released. Yeah, they never were released because we were just like testing it out. I do. I do remember I, that. I don't even think, do those even exist anymore? I'm pretty sure that I deleted them. Yeah, I think you did too. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. I don't and remember if they were terrible. I don't regret it. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. If you had to name like one experience related to the podcast that really sticks out in your brain. The first thing that comes to mind is getting to interview Rachel Pollack. I knew you were going to say that. I mean, that was just so major. Yeah. It just made me feel like we'd actually created something that somebody of that caliber wanted to be a part of. Right. Just felt like a, we made it sort of moment. Especially because I just cold called her. I mean, I just like <laughs> sent her a random email and then she ended up being on our show. Yeah. What about you? I think honestly, the one that comes, that what jumps to my mind was the experience we had with our moms. Oh, yeah. That was just like such a powerful moment. I know. And day. It was so beautiful. Yeah, it was really beautiful and just like a really great interview yeah for sure you should go back and listen to that everybody if you haven't especially with mother's day coming up yeah i'm also curious if there are many of you who who if all of you have listened to like the very first episodes because i've noticed that like um not all of our like i think our first like 12 episodes are not on spotify i think most people listen through apple podcasts anyway but i've noticed that a lot of i think our newer listeners have only been listening through Spotify, but are, yeah, our first 12 episodes actually aren't on there. I think I can go and upload them, but basically they changed the file. This is really boring. But anyhow, all that to say, I I'm need asleep. to go and I can upload the, I can upload them and I haven't yet. I just fell asleep. <laughs> well, wake up. We no, have a show shit. to do. Okay. Yeah. Listen to those deep cuts, everybody. Some of them are really good. Yeah. Um, but anyhow... All right, so when we do this show, if this is your first time listening, you might have fallen asleep. If not, if you're still awake and you're with us, uh, we usually just kind of start with like a bit of a check-in, you know? So a little what the hell's going on with you moment. Because we don't actually talk to each other. You know, we are (laughs) married. But we don't like to have conversation. No, we just have conversation about work and Real Housewives. So this is really our only time to get a sense of what's happening in each other's hearts. Yeah, we don't care for each other's emotional depths. Mm-mm, no, thank you. Please. Okay, that is so the opposite of things. <laughs> I, we think, are the- <laughs> I think people know that. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. But if this is your first time, we are the couple that sits up in bed till like two in the morning. Like, tell me about your feelings. Well, we have to because we refuse to go to bed angry. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, how are you? Oh, I get to go first. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I have like a pretty loaded check-in, so buckle up, baby cakes. 
My mom has been in and out of the hospital a lot for the last month, and it's been a roller coaster, and it's been exhausting emotionally and physically. A week ago Thursday, I spent the night with her in the ER, which was a very strange, almost out-of-body experience. I now really know why the 12th house in astrology rules hospitals and the invisible world and prisons and ashrams, because these are places that exist on their own time. The 12th house is outside of time. And to spend the night in the ER, you really experience that. But she is on the road to some sort of recovery. It's a one day at a time situation. But I literally was down there today. And I left feeling like I could leave because she was in a, a stable and getting better every day kind of situation. But essentially, my mom's been fighting cancer for seven years, which is a Saturn cycle. She got diagnosed the day before her birthday, which is April 25th. That's the day before her birthday. Her birthday is April 26th. And so she is literally coming up on a whole Saturn cycle of this cancer journey. And there is a personalized cancer vaccine that has been developed for her that she has taken once or twice before. The second time doesn't really count because she didn't get to get all the doses because it was contaminated coming from Germany. It's a whole thing. But basically, it's kind of like the COVID vaccine, where as the cancer mutates, you have to keep updating the vaccine. And so this latest dose of the vaccine is supposed to be administered starting the day before her birthday. And hopefully that will put her into like a clearing because she has just been through it. A lot of chemo, a lot of complications from chemo. These last few months have been really brutal. Last summer, as I'm sure some of you remember, she was really in a uh, dire strait. And so I have just been tending to the situation and there's really no playbook for this. If any of you have ever dealt with a loved one and an illness, you know that all you can do is just kind of be there and feel into your own intuition of when you need to show up and when it's okay just to, you know, send prayers and hold space. But there have been beautiful moments. There's been a lot of humor. And it's also been exhausting. Last night, I spent the night at her house taking care of her dog. Her dog, like, threw up at 2 in the morning because she refused to eat her dinner. So this dog throws up because she's hungry. And so I had to, like, feed her her dinner. I basically, like, hand-fed her at, like, 2 in the morning. Then I had to clean my mom's carpet. So it's just, like, it's all, like, the the mundane stuff that goes along with the more esoteric stress of an illness. And so that's... um. That's been, you know, occupying a lot of my heart recently because whenever I do get still or quiet or I'm not busy, that kind of just like crops up, you know, as my love for my mom and my concern for her and how vulnerable I'm feeling, how emotionally raw, which also if you listen to the podcast, you know, I don't do that often. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just, uh, my emotions are much closer to the surface. Well, I'm curious, actually, have you considered at all like what the astrology is of this moment for you right now? Like what exactly it is? Of course I have. Yeah, so what is it? Well, I am approaching my Saturn square. So that will happen, you know, officially at the beginning of next year. But Saturn is, you know, two degrees away from my sun and three degrees away from squaring my natal Saturn. Um, so I, you're in it. So I'm in it, yeah. Uh, and I also know that my mom 
uh, her Chiron is the same degree as my son. So this is just, you know, tied into that, right? Like, so 26 degrees Aquarius, my son, my mom's Chiron, Saturn is currently at 24 degrees Aquarius, and my natal Saturn is at 27 degrees Scorpio. So that's the square. There's a conjunction. It's just all of this. So I think that's probably what it is. But who can say? So then taking it back to like when you had, was is this, yeah, so this is after your first, well, no, I'm trying to think. Oh, so this is after your Saturn return. Yeah, this is my opening. Your first square. This is my opening square. square. Yeah. Wow. So this takes me back. And my Saturn return was certainly connected to my mom's cancer. Right. So just as fun, second time around, loving it. Is it uh, 11th house, 12th house, the square? It's 12th house. Okay. Which is why I'm spending time in hospitals. Totally got it. Yeah, yeah. I know. And my grandma's like, you're so smart. You should have been a doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm really not that smart. I'm just like listening to what the doctors are saying and learning a whole new vocabulary. Just trying to make sense of what's going on, you know? Did you have to deal with like hospitals or anything of that nature when you were like seven? I don't know if I did. I'm just curious if that very first Saturn square you involved a hospital had, yeah, or involved something along the same lines. Yeah, that would be curious to go back and see. Mm -hmm. I'd have to ask my parents. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't remember it. But then, like the other big thing that's kind of like happening in my life that I think is also part of this Saturn square is my embracing my identity as a non-binary human and like really starting to be more vocal about that and exploring like how that influences my gender expression. And that also feels very like opening Saturn square, especially conjunct sun and my Mercury. And it's been another reason why I think I am more like emotional of late is because it's something that has really, it's something that's kind of like throw me for a loop in some ways. And I think we get really used to our identities being these fixed points and something you can like hang your hat on. And when you start to question one part of your identity, it can force you to question a whole lot of other things. And it has made me like really emotional and kind of raw to be in this like questioning and curiosity place around like the true nature of my authenticity. And you know, I could talk about this for a long time, which is why I have a therapist, because I do talk about it for a long time. But for me, like embracing my identity as non-binary is about wanting to have access to all of it and wanting to like exist between masculine and feminine. And I'm thinking of it kind of like a tree and that there are these like different branches of my identity that I want to be able to go out and explore and that I haven't given myself permission to do so because of society and culture and fear and that for whatever reason, this time in my life feels ripe to really allow it and embrace it and claim it. And of course, because my Saturn is in Scorpio, I claim it in private first, and I'm a little bit of a secret keeper. And then I start to like come out into the world with it a little bit more. I changed my pronouns on my Instagram a couple of months ago, but that was like such a like quiet, sneaky thing. And like people aren't always like really paying attention to that. But now in conversation with friends and just letting people know that this is something that I'm exploring for myself because it helps me feel closer to the true nature of who I am. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a big deal too. It's a very big deal. Yeah. But I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm really proud of me too. And I think it's, 
Like, it was so scary at first to acknowledge that because I was like, what if this ruins our relationship? What if this ruins so many other relationships? What if this makes things more complicated for me? And in some ways it does, you know, like there's some fear around like, can I go out in a dress to this place? Like, am I going to be a target? And what am I going to lose? But honestly, I'm at a point now where it's just more exciting. And if you're not growing, you're stagnating. And I'm really excited that at 37, I am discovering aspects of myself that were so latent 10 years ago. And I'm like, what am I going to discover at 47? You know, it's like, it's cool to be, it's so Jupiter, right? It's like to be living an expansive life and keep letting your authenticity push against the edges of places you've already explored. Yeah. Okay, so that's my super size check-in. Apologies, everybody. There's just a lot going on in my life. Um, no, I think it's really great and inspiring, the work you're doing on yourself and the acceptance of your identity. Um, yeah, it's just beautiful to witness. Yeah, for me, it's like, it's just about accepting my curiosity and following it wherever it wants to lead. It's really not about locking anything down. And just because I like want to wear pants and a tank top doesn't mean that I'm not still non-binary. It's just like, I'm allowed to explore all of it. And everyone's allowed to explore all of it. And I just hope that even just by like, being a little vulnerable and sharing this on the podcast, that anyone who is curious within themselves to explore their own gender expansiveness, just like starts asking those questions because it does feel really good to discover yourself. What about you, honey? What's Tell me about your check-in. What's going on with you these days? Mm -hmm. I was just thinking, though, how interesting that is for you, too, just from a Saturn Square perspective. How it connects to when you were seven, because at seven you came out as queer, right? <laughs> That's so shady of you. <laughs> but around seven is when it was clear that I was queer. Right. And I think I was around seven years old when there's like a very infamous story in my family when my dad tried to correct my limp wrist. Right. Because I would just like stand with a limp wrist because it just felt good that way. It still does. And my dad was like, don't stay with your wrist like that. And I was like, what, bitch? And so that was around seven years old, which is very interesting. Oh, and and P.S., y'all, my dad is fucking amazing and fantastic, and we've come a really long way. But that was when he used to whisper into my ear when I was sleeping at night, and you won't be gay. Oof. And little did he know, I was already gay. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because my dad's son is one degree away from my son. He was born the day after me. So he's a 27-degree Aquarius. So his son squares my Saturn. Oh, yeah. Hey. Interesting. I know astrology, guys. It's real. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, but enough about me. What do you think about me? I've already told you what I think about you. Oh, right. Okay, You're so inspiring. what do you think about... <laughs> what, uh, tell me about you. What about you? I got nothing. Okay, cool. So moving on. No, I mean, I uh, am in a relatively good place, just honestly very busy right now and trying to assimilate myself to a new schedule because uh, I always talk about, you know, in my uh, introduction that I am a producer, but a producer isn't always actually actively producing work. It can be spaced out, you know, um, you know, I'm a producer. I work in film and I'm moving into television as well, but basically I'm producing a feature right now and we are like in the actual like pre-production mode so 
as of this as of last week i started going into a production office and it's been great it's been great for me because it's nice to have the house to myself okay shade this is shade <laughs> it's just nice i i enjoy it well i'm glad are we back to you now yeah, we never left <laughs> this is part of my saturn square oh yes but yeah so i'm just like back into a Routine where yeah, I'm going into a production office weekly and uh, or daily, and um, just having to like be in an office environment, which is something I haven't done since 2019, and uh, it's interesting to just kind of be thrust into this whole new little realm of people and community, and we're all driving toward this goal of making this, you know, creation. And it's just really uh, been, though, a little bit of, yeah, getting shot out of a cannon because a lot of my busyness was at least, like, centralized at home. And now there's a lot of just, like, interacting with the world, which makes a ton of sense because my astrology has everything kind of moving through my 11th house now. So I am really now just joining the traveling circus you know which is just kind of what making a movie is like what's your role in the traveling circus i'm probably some sort of like animal tamer oh wow <laughs> i'd say brave you know all right or animal caretaker oh yeah that sounds that sounds more it's probably better way to phrase it too animal ally yes um, but there is caretaking involved. Animal ambassador. <laughs> Animal emissary. No, we've this is you've gone off the rails. Sorry. <laughs> I have a way of doing that. So I'm uh feeling um excited about it. I'm feeling like really um yeah, just like enthusiastic about the work and everything that's going on. And then just also these writing projects I have are like much more in full swing. There's more people involved in those as well, too, like really cementing partnerships and, um, you know, content just also just in like the hell of development, which, you know, I've never been on this side of it before. And it is challenging to just be the writer who is like, you know, working really hard to execute this vision and being someone who has like a third house cancer moon you know all of my like writings do really come from this like heartfelt vulnerable place uh but you know as a writer who's working with other people in community with other people you have to make yourself really vulnerable to everyone's opinions and ideas and not take them personally so it's just been working too on like some level for myself of like evolving beyond like taking things way too personally and uh, just trying to keep the greater vision of the work in mind uh, versus like my own ego driven vision and finding a way for the two of them to kind of work hand in hand. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, you have to have the ego and the confidence to be able to stand up to honor the vision. Right. Because it's not about you, but it also is about you as the channel for the vision. Right. So, yeah, just doing my best to be a channel for visions, both my own and my partner's. Well, I actually think that's a really great segue into 
some astrology talk because being a channel for vision is definitely the order of the day. Yes. But before we do that, let's just talk about our retreat. Oh, you guys, do you not know that we have a retreat? Have we not talked about it enough? Well, we haven't talked about it this episode, so we should. <laughs> we are hosting a retreat. It is uh, the Cosmic Healing Retreat that is going on in Joshua Tree, May 6th through the 9th. And we are going to basically dive into all of the different types of spiritual practices that we get into here on the show. Um, we're going to dabble in some tarot, some astrology, some animist practices. We'll be doing group breathwork sessions. Um, it's going to be, I think, really fun because <laughs> there's just like a great community coming together for it. Yeah. But I think it's also just going to be a great opportunity for some real like soul connection. Yeah, it's going to be really meaningful because we are wanting to create a container for people to really transform and integrate whatever's come up over these last couple of years. It's a chance to, to come out and to be seen and to be witnessed and to use all of these modalities that we hold so dear to help you wherever you are on the path. Yeah. So we hope you will consider joining us. There's still a few spaces available. There's still places in Joshua Tree. Mm -hmm. And the food, you guys. Oh, yeah. The food is going to be so good. Our chef, Michelle, is a genius. She did all of the food for Angel's birthday party, and we just were in hog heaven. Oh, my God. So you're going to be so well-nourished, body, mind, heart, and soul. The empanadas. The desert is an incredibly magical place, almost as magical as the empanadas. And <laughs> I mean, empanadas in the desert. Honey. What a dream. Too much magic. No such thing. So all the information is on the website. And also, like, if you really feel compelled, like, this is happening during eclipse season. This is happening within the nodes of fate. This is a faded thing. And the people showing up are fated to be there. And if you feel like you're one of those people, but financially you're struggling a little bit to to make the commitment, let us know and we can work out like a personalized payment plan. Because yeah. if you feel like you should be there, we want you there. Totally. And we hope we'll see you there. Yeah. So just hit us up um, either in our DMs or shoot us a, an email if you have questions on it. All right. Let's get back to channeling those visions. Let's do it. In this episode's Cosmic, Cosmic Update. We are actually recording this just as the sun has entered Taurus. We're luxuriating in our lavishness. That's why we're luxuriating in all of this conversation. Because we are just in the slow, sensual space that is Taurus. We're lingering in our hearts. We are. We are just out grazing in the path. Look at how long it's taking us just to get to the point. <laughs> Taurus, everyone. We're here in Taurus season. You know, when you think about Taurus, you know, there is like a real grounded nature, right? Uh, the reliability that we think of with Taurus because it is an earth sign, but it is the first earth sign. So it really is that kind of basic approach to things. Um, but there is just like a real sense too of just still connecting to nature and earth in a real tangible way. Yeah. Taurus answers to Venus. 
Venus is the planet that rules values, how we connect to other people, money. Mm -hmm. Venus is where we get taste. Venus is where we remember what's worth caring about. Mm -hmm. And when you put yourself in nature and you look around at where you are, because Taurus connects us to place, it helps you remember what you really care about and who you really care about. Yeah. But you got to slow down in order to really be clear about those sorts of things. Yeah. So we kind of get like, you know, shot into action in Aries season, uh, you know, with ideas and places to go. And then in Taurus season, we get to actually like slow down a little bit and actually bring the ideas into tangible form um, or see where we've gone to and slow down to recognize like, is this where I want? to be and what am i doing here what's the work that's available for for me here uh, and i say work just because taurus i think is like a hard working sign but because taurus is really connected to that luxury that chill vibe energy they work to get to the things that they like you know they're working with the goal, you know, I always like to say the Taurus is like working to get to the couch, yeah. you know, they're working for the reward. Yeah, they are not living to work, they're working to live. Mm -hmm. So, as little work as possible and as much living as they can muster, right? So, just know for yourself that if you're not a Taurus or you know, have uh, Taurus placements, you can still look to the house that you have Taurus in in your chart just to know that the sun's going to be moving through there and really trying to illuminate that area. And we've already had some action going on in that area because Uranus has been there for a while now and has been really active because of all of its connection to Saturn lately. So we've already been pushed in some way to get more authentic um, you know, more ourselves in that Taurus area of our lives. And now we're going to find ways to really like bring it to the surface and I think connect it in some ways to our identity in more tangible, real ways. Yeah. And we also have the North Node in Taurus. It moved in there in January, yeah. which is why we're entering into an eclipse season in Taurus Scorpio, that axis there. And so you'll notice for yourself that Taurus season is going to illuminate for you things that have maybe been like under the surface, at the edges that need to be acknowledged. Things are coming to a head and they're coming to a head so that we can in some ways course correct or align ourselves with the inner transformations that have been happening. And Taurus is, it's, it's surface, but not like in a superficial way. It's surface like it needs to be made physical. It needs to become manifest. It can't just be an esoteric concept. It can't just be an idea. It needs to now show up in the world. Right. And Taurus builds things to last. So it's about, okay, how am I approaching work, relationships, my authenticity in ways that are built to last? Yeah. Not flash in the pan. And we can, I think, get an opportunity to wrap our minds around this when Mercury is conjunct that North Node energy on the 23rd in Taurus because it, you know, allows ourselves, our minds, like I said, to like get some real ideas, some thoughts that are 
directly connected to that North Node energy of where we're meant to be heading, right? Where we should be challenging ourselves to grow. So we might have been feeling some of this like Taurus, like time to grow energy in that direction. And our minds get kind of involved on, on that moment in time where we can kind of intellectualize it. It's an exciting season. There's a lot of really juicy astrology. And even though eclipse season can be really intense, intense isn't a bad thing. And with Venus in Pisces and Jupiter in Pisces kind of ruling at least this first half of Taurus season, the intensity can be the intensity of optimism and blessings and new beginnings and venturing out for new adventures. And let's talk about April 26th and 27th. Let's talk about it. Because we get this grand stellium mm -hmm. in Pisces. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, the moon, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Neptune all in Pisces. It's a Pisces pajama party. Right. Which feels like a lot of movies, a lot of edibles, a lot of music... A lot of inspiration. Yes. And ideally, a lot of connection. Yeah. It's a really good time, whether it's the 26th or the 27th, to try to start something, to initiate something, to bless something with this cosmic energy, because we're not going to have something like this for uh, a while. Yeah. Like, you know, 12 years, if not longer. Yeah. What can you be doing to really be tangibly creating toward the vision that you've had. Channeling the vision, courting the vision, coax, co co coaxing the vision. Coaxing. Coaxing. Quaxing. Quaxing the vision. Quaxing. Just get that vision to come through. <laughs> Whatever it takes, honey. And then when it does, make sure you write it down. Because you are the vision bringer. Mm -hmm. The vision for your life, the vision for other people, the vision for your creative projects, the vision for your career, the vision for your relationships. Let that vision come through. Uh, and on that 27th, we'll have Venus and Neptune conjunct in Pisces. Like, they will be directly conjunct. Partnering with the mysticism. Yeah. With the dream. I'm really getting a sense of, like, you know, what you deeply value in your spiritual work and... I think also finding ways to like connect to others in like really strong spiritual ways. So finding those spiritual partners for yourselves and doing what you need to do, for, you know, to in order to really like get deeply connected. This is the grand finale of all that Pisces energy. So take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. All right, kitty cats. Well, speaking of channeling a vision we felt like we would take a deep dive into one of our favorite tools for channeling visions and other messages. So put on your witch's caps and get ready for this episode's Deep, deep Dive! We give a lot of love to the tarot. We teach classes on it. We use it pretty much daily. We've got a whole slew of episodes around it. But for today, we're going to set the tarot aside and talk about Oracle decks. Because Oracle decks deserve love too. And technically, the tarot is an Oracle deck. 
because an oracle deck is just essentially any deck of cards that you use to communicate with the divine. And honeys, there are thousands of them. But we wanted to take a moment and just kind of make sure you understand what an oracle deck is, how to use it, and then we wanted to share a few of our favorite oracle decks, because sometimes the tarot isn't the medicine that you need. Right. Sometimes you need a different type of teacher. So an oracle deck is a tool for divination. And divination is the art or the practice of communicating with the divine to receive information or messages, answers to questions, things of that nature. And divination has been on for a really long time, right? Like you've heard about reading tea leaves or the I Ching or runes or throwing bones. I mean, there are lots of different systems of divination and an oracle deck is using cards. You can use playing cards. You can use the tarot, which is a particular system of an oracle deck, but there are so many out there and it's a way to connect to the energy of something spiritual. And we've been thinking a lot about oracle decks because we are starting to channel our very own spiritual gaze, queer spirit oracle deck. And so we have been doing a lot of research and diving into different oracle decks. And it's just reminded me like how many amazing decks there are out there. And what's nice about oracle decks is that they are maybe a little more user-friendly than the tarot because the tarot is 78 cards and it's got a really specific lineage and there's some work required to really learn the language of the tarot. But oracle decks can be a little bit more straightforward. That's not true for all of them. But they usually come with a book and they help you understand how to interpret the messages. Whereas with the tarot, you know, there are books you can get, but it's a lot of work. Right. Yeah, with the Oracle deck, it, it tends to be a little more like straightforward, right? Because it's connecting to some sort of image or tangible thing or, you know, whereas the tarot has such a big narrative framework involved. Yeah, it's hard to fully understand one. Sometimes you need to understand like the larger context. Bingo. Whereas an Oracle deck, usually like you can stand alone. Yeah. Now, again, this isn't for all Oracle decks because there might be some that are important to understand the entire context. Right. But generally speaking, an Oracle deck, you just pull one, you get the message you need, and you move on with your day. Exactly. Now, of course, some of the most famous Oracle decks are like Doreen Virtue, like angel decks. Um, we have a deck that's a crystal deck where there's just a bunch of different crystals on cards and you pull one to kind of get a sense of like, what's the crystal that you might want to be working with? Yeah, you always see a lot of like animal spirit decks and things of that nature. And we love all of them. Mm-hmm. So real fast, a brief history around Oracle decks. Not that we are like Oracle deck historians, but you've probably heard of the Lenormand deck. So the Lenormand deck is probably like the most famous Oracle deck, potentially. It's one of the oldest that we have history of, um, besides the tarot, because it was created by a pretty well-known um, psychic and fortune teller, this French woman named Marie-Anne Adelaide Lenormand. And she was like a big deal famous psychic. Like she had a lot of famous clients for the time, like Napoleon. She was kind of like the astrologer to Nancy Reagan, but back in like the 1700s, 1800s. <laughs> right. So she created this deck, the Lenormand deck, and there were, I believe, 36 cards and they were very basic, like the door, the man, the woman, the ring. And you pulled these cards and they gave you a sense of whatever it was you were asking about. And she created spreads with how to work with it. And that kind of created, in some ways, this whole category of Oracle decks. 
And worth mentioning that our friend James R. Eads uh, has a variation of the Low Norman deck now. Yeah, which is super cool. Yeah. So we just wanted to go through some of our favorite Oracle decks and maybe even pull a card uh, because we got a lot of planets in Pisces. We're in the Pisces pajama party, so we thought let's channel some <laughs> messages for everybody. I like that. So do you want to go first? What's one of your favorite Oracle decks? Well, I really love, I think, because I connect so much to animals. Because mm-hmm. you're a shapeshifter. Because I am a shapeshifter and a Taurus rising. Uh, I love uh, Kim Kranz, who did the Wild Unknown tarot, has created a Wild Unknown Animal Spirit deck. And I love it um, because not only does it uh, give you somewhat of what you get in a lot of other animal decks with the sort of, you know, the different types of animals tend to be broken down by, um, you know, water, air, land, you know, things of that nature. But uh, also throws in some, like, kind of mythical, magical animals or creatures as well, which I really just, like, love having those just, like, integrated so effortlessly into the larger animal spirit kingdom. Yeah, like what are some of those animals? Like, you know, a dragon, a unicorn, uh, just like things of that nature. But there's even like a a card called the cosmic egg, you know? Mm. Like I just really love the uh, ideas and imagery that she channeled for this deck. Uh, And I just find it to be really helpful for me at times to pull something from this deck to start my day because it gives me like a really strong image and character, you know, animal character to call back on throughout my day and just reminds me of a very direct lesson that I need to apply because a lot of them tend to go directly with like ways of approach or personality or what have you. Yeah. And that's great to say because I think it reminds us what the Oracle decks are all about, which is like a shortcut to connect to a type of energy, right? Like the cards themselves are containers or gateways to call forth that energy that they speak to. So when you pull the card of the dragon, it's helping you to connect to the energy of the dragon. Right, exactly. So why don't you pull a card for everybody who's listening, maybe around the question what energy would really help us as we move into eclipse season in Taurus? What's the energy that would help us work with all of that intensity? All right, so I'm asking, what is the energy that we can call on as we move into this upcoming eclipse and Taurus season? It's the cosmic egg. No way. <laughs> oh my God, the cosmic egg. The cosmic egg, y'all. Will you describe it so people can imagine what the cosmic egg looks like? So it is an egg. It's a very queer egg. Oh. It's a full just rainbow colored egg with this snake wrapped around it. Mm, rainbow egg coiled by a snake. Exactly. So per Kim Kranz... Cosmic Egg represents completion, harmony, the infinite within the finite. Because the Cosmic Egg is the final card in the journey of the Animal Spirit deck. 
represents the unfolding of cosmic consciousness. This state emerges after we have tread the path for quite some time, and through self-effort and grace, we experience self-realization. A sense of contentment and oneness spontaneously arises within us, and the veils of our self-limiting beliefs are lifted. When the essence of the cosmic egg has not been activated, we may feel as if we will never get there or that we travel alone, disconnected from others. Even if our encounter with this card is brief, appearing as a momentary glimmer or flash of interconnectedness, its potent energy stays with us. The cosmic egg is a remedy for the fragmentation of modern life. Mm. It's through the power of this card that we are reminded of the cosmic contract written at the beginning. We hold on to the life and life holds on to us. The journey is complete, but it does not end. What's inside the cosmic egg? All of the universe. Oh, shit. Which includes you. It includes you. It includes you. (laughs) (laughs) So will you say the name of that deck again for everybody? Yes, this is the Wild Unknown Animal Spirit deck by Kim Kranz. And it is pretty fabulous. Kim Kranz is uh, initially... And I think probably still an illustrator for children's books. So the cards are so great because they have this whimsy and she has such a great eye for color and they really feel alive. Yeah. And I vibed with that cosmic egg journey. I'm ready for it. Yeah, seriously. Bring it on. So what deck are you wanting to play with? So this is a deep cut, but I found this many years ago when I was in Sedona and it's called the Sedona Deck Oracle Cards. And they are 33 cards that are connected to places, animals, um, vortexes, vortices, I guess, that are in Sedona. And what I really like is that it's an oracle deck that's connected to a specific place. So I generally will pull cards from this deck when I'm trying to get information about a trip that I'm about to take. Because it's a deck that's about place. But it's uh, got 33 cards, and they're separated into three categories. So there's 13 power cards that feature the different red rock formations and the vortices in Sedona. There's 14 influences cards that have, like, plants and animals. Um, And then they've got six power cards that include just, like, different aspects of nature that are alive in the desert of Sedona. I feel like that deck entered our lives in some unique way, right? Where did that come from? Do you remember? No. I don't either, but it feels like I do. it showed up. Oh, good. Sarah Diebel. Ah, I Sarah knew Diebel was in Sedona and she bought it for us. Amazing. And I have to say, y'all, it's actually quite hard to find. I don't know if that's still true. Um, it's created by Kathleen Gabriel out of Owl Feather Studio in Sedona, Arizona. And you can go to her website, which is owlfeatherstudio.com, and maybe you can get yourself a copy. But I... Um, I freaking love this deck. So what are you going to pull a card on for the children? Well, because this is a deck that connects us to place, and because we are in Taurus season, which is about our relationship to the earth and to nature, I feel like we could pull a card right now that would help us understand the influence of the moment for the spirits of the land where we live. Like, what do we need to know about the energies of nature that are right around us, that are right outside our door, to help us connect more deeply with with place? So let's go ahead and pull a card for that. How can we work with the natural spirits and energies right outside our door? What do they want us to know? 
How can we collaborate with them? I pulled the Roadrunner. So the Roadrunner card looks like this cute little Roadrunner with a spiky little tail and is in this like beautiful desert landscape with the red rocks. And underneath Roadrunner, it says trust and knowledge. So another animal, but they're not all animals in this deck. Um, But for whatever reason, Roadrunner. So Roadrunner says the importance of looking where you've been is to remember all the information and wisdom you've gained in order to help you act in the present. This is what creates the database to help you act quickly and instinctively in the moment. Sometimes you got to think quick and act fast just to stay in the game. Always trust your instincts. So that's really interesting because this first sentence here, the importance of looking where you've been is to remember all the information and wisdom you've gained. So there's something about remembering where we are really helps us to act in the moment, right? Like our instinct is connected to the present, but you have to be able to like bring yourself along. So I would just say, in terms of everyone's relationship with the spirits of the land, it's like, notice what the land is like right now. What does it need right now? How is the season of spring or fall in the Southern Hemisphere showing up for you right now? How can you partner with it? And to work instinctually. And sometimes first thought, best thought. Like get out of your own way and just act. I like that. It's like even interesting just for us. I think we've been having to really like work with like watering certain areas in our outdoor yard and stuff. And really like becoming more mindful and paying attention to like the the need for that. Yeah. And understanding like the the timeline of certain things. Yeah. The and neuro- the- like, yeah. For nourishment. Yeah. And that there's like a natural timeline that sometimes totally goes against what your own timeline is. But it's like, well, you're not calling the shots. This feels almost like a cosmic slumber party. This is our our Pisces pajama party. Right? Like, this is kind of what happens. Like, you, I feel like back in the day when I was first learning to play with all this stuff, it's like you'd stay up like late at night with your friends and be like, let's pull cards for things. I know. This is so fun. Um, All right, let's do another. Yeah, let's do another one. Okay, so I wanted to use the Secret Arcana Oracle deck because if you've ever gotten a reading from me or even just like seen the tarot scopes I write on, you know, like Queer Tea or in our newsletters, I use these tarot cards that are by this incredible artist named Oliver Hibbert. And so before I bought the Oliver Hibbert tarot, I first bought his uh, 22 card oracle deck called the secret arcana and he says that he created it um not just as an expansion of the 78 card tarot but also as a standalone divination deck so in some ways he even suggests like you could add these 22 cards to the 78 cards of the tarot and you could have yourself a 100 card deck which i've never done i just kind of use it as a standalone but they're just super fun and quirky and i just love seeing like a really unique channeled oracle deck that has its own cosmology and obviously has you know like there's some planets in here but not all the planets so it's the ones that are connected to oliver and some animals but not all the animals and then some like strange ones so we're just gonna pull a card and see should we ask a question okay i have a really great idea everybody out there listening i want you to ask a question right now I want you to even pause the podcast if you need to, like, just get ready to ask a question. Make sure it's really clear. It can be anything. So I'm shuffling the cards. And this is going to be in place of the tarot card pull. 
This is what we're pulling. So just take a moment and really get clear with what you want to know and send your energy into the cards. And you'll connect to them by the sound of listening to them shuffled. It's an anemic little sound because there's only 22 of them. But these are some powerful, powerful cards here. All right, so you have a question. And the answer to your question is the key, but it's reversed. So the key, it is the 10th card. It's a keyhole. It's a black keyhole, and the background is psychedelic rainbow, and the key is a literal skeleton key with a skull at the top and then bones at the bottom where it would unlock. So the key upright would say the power is held within you to use for a price. But reversed, the price is too steep. So whatever question you asked, the price is too steep. The price is too steep. Now that having been said, this is Oliver's, you know, brief little uh, kind of rundown of what the cards mean. But also what he says is that he has outlined some of the general meanings of each card, but that it's up to you and your own interpretations to uncover the finer details, hidden meanings, and secret images within. So just think about what the reversed keyhole holds for you. How is the key an answer to your question? And the keyhole is much bigger than the key. The keyhole is a gateway. Do you want to share what your question was and how you're interpreting the answer? I'm still processing how to interpret the answer because my question was about a specific writing project and how I can, what can I, or how can I best bring it to its most full expression? So I'm a little stuck. I would say you have to walk through the, you have to walk through the gateway. You have to stop being on the outside looking into it, but you have to enter through the keyhole and get inside it. But I'm wondering, is the price of that going to be too steep for me to handle? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But what I will say, what's really interesting is, is that this card is actually the card that's used on the cover of the deck itself. Oh, right. So a very interesting. Let us know how this has resonated for you. I think the thing I like about Oracle decks is they're powerful, but they're also playful. Right. The tarot can be a little heavy. It can be playful, too. It can wink at you. It can nudge you. It can flirt with you. But Oracle decks let you be a little bit more playful with your divination. And they also challenge you to really lean into your intuition and start to understand for yourself how you make meaning out of symbols. Yeah. Look for the keyholes. Look for the skeleton keys. Look for the upside-down keyhole. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking is that you may have to invert yourself invert to get yourself. through. Exactly. Turn things on their head. And don't forget to turn yourself back around when you come back out. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for being here, lovers. We hope to see you somewhere, sometime, someday, maybe just in our stories. Yes. In our DMs. But thank you for being here. As always, you can find us at thespiritualgaze.com 
We're on Twitter at Spiritual Gaze, Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze. And as always, we are here for you readings, healings, and hugs. Can I read a little quick message? Of course. Uh, we are also on the Facebook, which has been interesting because we have been getting like a little more engagement on there, which has just been interesting to see. But we received this really lovely message on here that I just kind of wanted to share. As an openly gay 75-year-old retired priest and long-term AIDS survivor, 33 years, whose husband of almost 31 years made his transition from this dimension, which we all can see, touch, taste, and identify unto that next dimension prepared for each of us by our loving God just six months ago, I pray that as you are blessed to share and find comfort with each other, that you continue to grow spiritually and truly make a difference by your example to others seeking comfort and solace in this world today. Wow. So it was just like a lovely little blessing that was sent to us um, by this very sweet man, Skip. Wow. Just wanted to share this, your message, Skip. Hope you don't mind. Thanks, Skip. This is news to me because I never go on the Facebook. Yeah. So, and sending our deepest um, condolences to you. Yeah. And our loving support. Yeah. And our loving support. But I just kind of wanted to share this too, to um, not only share how expansive like our community is, um, and also just express gratitude for the beautiful messages that come our way from people. But to also just remind everyone who's listening too that, you know, this is also like a blessing for all of us who continue to grow spiritually together. And as we all walk this path together, we all are on some level really making a difference by our example to others. So be really proud of yourself for being on this path and, um, know that we are grateful to have you by our sides don't give up don't give up never give up until next time we love you and this has been your transit through the, the spiritual, spiritual game, game.